let the last week's one get over the excuse of forefathers' sins. You need to get over it. Not the devil. Like I said, the devil is your problem. He's not the Lord's problem. The Lord has got no problem. When Jesus was crucified, what we just sang there, he went into, into the pit of hell. And what did he do? We believe he went and fought there. Huh? There was a battle there. The word doesn't say that. The word says he went and declared. And he took the keys and walked out. He didn't go fight the devil. In no way did Jesus fight the devil. That's a wrong teaching that we, we learn. He went down and he declared who he is. That's all he did. And the enemy had to run. He did not go and fight. And he took the keys and walked out. And he even gave the people back there, in there, go read it, a chance to follow him. But we want to love these fighting things. Eh? We love men like fighting movies. So we like the fighting teachings. But it's not biblical, it's not in your Bible. It's like I said to, to, I spoke to Matthias this week, and I said to him, when I want to correct something that we believe, like I had to be corrected in a lot of places, I want to use the word to correct you. I don't want to use history or man's interpretation out of a thing. It must be from the word, then you can't, yes, but me. If the word says it, you can't say, yes, but um, he and she said this, and that came in history there. What did I teach you? History and the word together will, will speak to one another. But a lot of Christians don't know what happened in history, so we don't know what and why we are where we are today. Because we don't know the patterns that the Lord uses throughout the Bible and today. If we know history, we will see the patterns that were in the Bible was happening the last 2,000 years again. Everything to the T. Alright, so we're going to continue today. Is Satan defeated? Is it recording? Right, so I'm going to continue. When we ended up last week, I said to you, your family curses, your generational curses are defeated by the blood of Lamb. So you can walk in victory and you need to know that. Because if you don't apply that to your belief, you will be owned by that thing. You become what you believe. And for us as Christians, we've got this funny thing where we love blame shifting. So things are not good with me. It's my freaking grandma and grandpa. They were this and that and there and there. And then we don't have to fix it because they got it. It's their fault that I'm in this problems that I am now. See, we blame shifting things. It's exactly what, what happened with Eve in the garden. When God said, why did you? She said, no, it was my husband. Same thing we're doing. All right? We blame shifting. And now we've got a, we've got a very easy one. We just use the enemy to blame shift. So we ended up saying, the lamb, the Bible says the lamb covered it. It's done. Do you believe it and walk in it? Then it's done. And you will walk in a, in a, in a victory if you realize that. But if you don't, he will play with you the whole time because he's got control of what you think. Um, so we ended up, and I said next week, today, we're going to talk of how to get the power, how to understand the power of how to walk in this thing. Knowing that he's defeated, Knowing that, and how do you walk that out then in your daily life? So that becomes um, alive in you, and the enemy becomes less in your life, plays less a role. Alright, so we're going to talk about that. And I've got a lot of verses, so we've got to move. Uh, let me just get to where I need to be. But I want you guys to be amazed, because a lot of people don't teach 
how the Bible connects from Genesis to Revelation, how the story is connected everywhere in the Bible, it's hidden. And we're not taught to read the Bible like that. That's why I've got a lot of verses to show you how everything was playing off exactly as it was prophesied, while it was doing, and for us today. There's a pattern that goes through the Bible with each thing that we're walking. And today I'm just going to touch on some of the verses. If you really want to, and you don't want to listen to this teaching again, you can go read all the big verses around the verses I'm using, and you will even be blown away even more what it actually says. But I can't read all of that. Then we're going to be here for three hours. And then your, your lamb in the oven is going to burn. Do we still do that? Like the old people, eh? Never. A lamb, a lamb boat in it went. Uh, we don't do that anymore. Lamb is the deer. Uh, we chicken in the oven. <laughs> Alright, let's start. So how do we get this power? We want to talk today. If, if the devil is defeated, how do we walk in that? To realize if there's problems at your house, at your business, at your families, in your family, how do we walk in, in conquering that thing? In power, how do we walk in that? Because we just said he's defeated. So why is he still got a hold on you if he's defeated? All right. So we're going to talk in the, in the, regarding that. Let's start the first verse, Isaiah seven verse fourteen. I'm going to read a couple of verses, like always, and I'm going to bring it all together so you see the whole story that I'm going through. Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall come uh, shall call his name Emmanuel. All right, so there. This is a prophecy in Isaiah, and he says the one that's going to be born one day. Now remember, for those that don't know, Isaiah is in the Old Testament because we've got a couple of babies still here that's still learning, and that's good. I love to talk to babies because they want to learn. Isaiah was in the Old Testament, the prophet, and he was told. This prophecy, and I mean, this thing happened hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later. I mean, most of the people probably thought, nah, he's, he's kidding, or that's wrong. He's not prophesying properly, because it's not happening. They never saw it in their 70, 80, 90 years of living on the earth. That never happened. So he was a, a wrong prophet. Eh? We like doing that. But this only happened hundreds of years later. But what I want you to see here... Sorry, is his name was Emmanuel. So he's given a name. It's prophesied that that's going to be his name. All right. So remember last week when Jesus was born, they took him in to Simeon. Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple because Simeon will not die until he sees the Christ. Simeon went to the temple. Eight days later, Jesus was brought that same day. You see how the Holy Spirit worked? He tell him, go there. And when he went there, oh, here's Jesus. And he looked at Jesus to do the circumcision on the eighth day. And what did he say? It's Jesus. And he said, oh, I can die now. All right. Because he was given this thing to, to declare what and who this was when it was born. He was given that authority, actually, to declare that onto the earth. It's Jesus. Can you think about that, what was going, went through his mind when he was to see that? So, that we spoke about last year. Now, in Isaiah, 
9, read here from verse 6. For unto us a child is born. This is one of my, like I always said, this is one of my favorite things in the Bible to read this. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Remember how they had to carry the Ark of the Covenant? On the shoulder. If it wasn't on the shoulder, people died. Because Jesus is the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to do that in the Bible school. Beginning of next year. To discuss why Jesus is the, is, the, is, the, is the altar. But yeah, that's why it says it there also. It's pointing to that. And his name. Again, his name. I highlighted there for you. Shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Look at that. There's the first one. Called Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. You see the names he's getting there. Remember what we just read? The previous one, what was he called? Emmanuel. Now he's getting all these names added to him. So, Matthew 2, verse 1 and 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, so I showed you now, for the new people, the Old Testament prophecies of this one that needs to be born, and is going to be born, what he was called, and what's going to be named, now I'm taking you to the New Testament. Yeah, it's actually going to happen now. All right, the prophecy is going to be fulfilled. So, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, very important, Herod, remember Herod. It's the king that was ruling in that day. Um, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is that is born King gets another title. Now he's king of the Jews. For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. Okay. So, by now, we have seen him as the Savior, as Christ, as Emmanuel, as Lord. But here we see him as king also. Prince of Peace. So he's been called a lot of things. He's got a lot of functions and titles, if you want to call it that way. That has been called here. Matthew 2. When they had heard the king, they departed and lo, a star which they saw in the east went before them. So we're still with the wise men, eh? So he's still looking for Jesus. Till it came to stood over where the young child was born. Okay. Uh, just for those that don't know, that word child... He's not a baby. It's not a, it's not a baby. He was a child there. The Bible says it. Go look at the meaning of that word. He was a baby. He wasn't a baby anymore. He was a baby when he was in the crib. I will talk about that one day. When we get to here in December when we have our Christmas. I will talk about this. I'm not going to go into this now. But he was a child there when the wise men came there. And when he, they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take your child and his mother and flee into Egypt. Remember that. They have to flee into Egypt. And thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child and destroy him. Alright. Verse 15. And was there until the death of Herod. So they stayed in Egypt until King Herod died. Alright. 
Remember, everything happens for a reason in the Bible. That I might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. That is in the Old Testament. You can go read it. It says there, they will go into the wilderness. We're going to read about it now. So Herod, he was planning to kill all the children. Two years and younger. All right? Because the pattern must continue. Where, was, where did this pattern start? When Moses was born. When Moses was born, they killed every boy two years and younger. Moses was the Messiah of the Old Testament. Jesus is the Messiah of the New Testament. The same thing had to happen. The pattern needs to be fulfilled. Again, two years and younger must die. Do you see how the Bible works? You don't use one verse. You look at the whole story. So, verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wrath and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which had uh, diligently acquired from the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, All right, so there's a prophecy with Jeremiah where he says all the stuff you can go and read it. He had the prophecy of everything I just read to you. He prophesied it. Okay? We can't read all of that stuff. It's going to take too long. Okay, so now, I read out of Isaiah in the Old Testament. I took you to Matthew in the New Testament. Now I'm taking you to the last book in the Bible, Revelations. Where we have so many controversial thinkings and beliefs and things that we do. Let's not say that now. Revelations 12 verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head are crowns of twelve stars. I mean, that's a whole teaching on its own. That's just that verse. I mean, how many stars did it have? Twelve stars, a crown. That's prophetic stuff that's happening there. Twelve. How many disciples were there? Twelve. How many? Yeah, everything is to do with twelve. It speaks about this, you know, perfection, but it's more than that. But I, I don't want to go into that now. Then it's going to take too much time. So... Listen to this now. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Now, I'm going to say something that might rattle some of your cages and it's going to rattle your religious thinking, maybe because you were taught something else. So what do you do when you hear something that you don't know or think differently of? How did I teach you guys? You don't say, no, Vanner is wrong. Because then you're not teachable. You go and say, Vanner said this. I was always in church taught this. Holy Spirit, which one is correct? Then you're teachable. You don't just say, I don't believe it because I've never heard it. Then you're not teachable. Because the Holy Spirit's a teacher. I'm not a teacher. I can just tell you something. You need to go to the Holy Spirit to teach you on which one is right now. Alright? If you don't do that, you're never going to grow and understand what I'm saying. Don't just shut off and say, no, I don't believe this. I've never heard this. My church said this and this and this and I'm believing that. That's not how we should function. Alright, so because the problem is, this bit I'm reading to you now, Revelations. What I'm going to teach you out of Revelations 12, the church cannot teach you because they've got other doctrine regarding that. And if they can't teach what I'm teaching you because then their doctrine fails. And I'm not going to say what it is now. <laughs> Let's see if you pick it up. But yeah, I'm going to change it a bit. If you read it word for word, it will make a lot of sense. Verse 2, and... and and she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. So there's somebody pregnant here. They're talking about a pregnant person here. 
Verse 3, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns. How many heads? Seven and ten. I'm not going to talk about that, but that's significant. Why is that amount? It says something about this red dragon. And seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman. Okay, so this dragon is standing before this woman that is pregnant. Remember, she was pregnant here in the previous verse. Which was ready to be delivered for the devourer her child as soon as it was born. For to devour her child. What is the, what is the mission of this dragon? To kill the baby that's going to be born. It's got one mission to kill the baby. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and the child was caught up unto God and to his throne. I mean, if you go look at that rod of iron, there's so many places in the Old Testament where they speak about this rod that's going to come. So, in layman terms, there's a woman, she's pregnant. There's a dragon. He's got one mission, to kill the child now. As soon as that child, it says that as soon as that child is born, the dragon wants to kill it. Alright, so that's the mission we got here, that's taking place here. So this woman is ready to give birth, but the dragon wants to kill it as soon as that baby is born. Verse 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared of God. Come on, now you must get what I was reading in the Old Testament. Where did the Old Testament say they're going to go? Into the wilderness. Matthew said, what happened Matthew? An angel appeared to Joseph and said, go to Egypt. The wilderness. Go to Egypt. You see, he's talking about that. He's not talking about something that's going to come one day. That's already happened. What I'm reading here. It's not going to happen somewhere in the future. Again, I'm going to read it. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared for God because God told Joseph, go there. How did they get up in Egypt? The wise men gave them what? Gifts. It's worth a lot of money, those gifts. They had enough money to travel and live there for years. It was provided to them through the Lord. Now, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three core days. Layman terms, three and a half years. So she had to go to this wilderness, Egypt, for three and a half years. Alright? Why is she fleeing? Because Aino said, move, Herod wants to kill your boy. Because he was born and he wants to kill him now. So he's coming for him. Revelation 12 verse 7. And there was a war in heaven. Okay, now, this is where I'm going to rattle your religious cages, or your, your, your thinking a bit, of what you might have been taught previously. They're saying here now, there was a war in heaven. When is this war taking place? When the child was born. Alright? When they went to Egypt and all that. It's saying, there was a war now. It's still, it's still in the same thing we're reading here. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. Remember the dragon had one mission when he came? To kill the child. The Lord sends an angel to Joseph saying, take your child and flee to Egypt. Because the dragon is going to come. 
Herod is working with the dragon, hand in hand with the dragon. And the dragon fought his angels. So now, when this all happened, this dragon is ready to kill this child. And what happens? A war breaks out in heaven. When? When this is taking place, where they have to flee to Egypt when the baby is still there. There's a war breaking out. And again, I'm going to read it again. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. So you must know when was this war? When he was a baby. If you really know your Pentecostal doctrines, that would be something that you did not know. I'm going to explain it to you now. Because he wants to kill it. Verse 8. And prevailed not, neither was their place found um, more in heaven. So, this war was taking place. And what happened in the war? And prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. Something happened in the war. Who won this war? Michael. It says, the dragon prevailed not. He didn't win. If you read in other translations. King James is sometimes for people a bit busy, a bit difficult to read, but if you read it enough, you will make, will make more sense. But do you see? The dragon came to kill the child. A war broke out, it says, in heaven. Michael and his angels won. And there was no place to be found for him anymore. He did not prevail, the enemy, the dragon. He did not prevail. Neither was the place found anymore in heaven. So what was told by the, heaven, by the devil here? Heaven's doors closed for him. When? When the child was born. You were taught, you know, there in the beginning, Lucifer sang and made music in front of the Lord, and he was cast down to the earth. I was also taught that. It doesn't say that here in your Bible. It says the war broke out when? The baby was born. Not in the beginning. But it's because of they have other doctrine. That's why they can't see that. Because I think this is still going to happen one day. And they say that it happened when this baby was born. So that should make you think a bit. And the great dragon was cast out. The old serpent. Where did they get that old serpent? The one in the Garden of Eden that tempted Adam and Eve. The serpent. Called the devil and Satan. Which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. So when was the angel cast out of heaven? According to what we just read there. When the child was born. Come on, who, th who knew that? Because we were never taught that. I also didn't know that. I'm not special. He was the accuser. They actually said he was the accuser of the brethren. He was allowed to accuse people up to that point. Because he was there in heaven. But in the New Testament, when Jesus was born, something happened. There wasn't fighting in the sense that we think yeah, that's where the fight took place, in heaven. And he lost. Remember, he was made to, what we said last week, to lie. He's a liar. So the dragon and his angels were cast out to the earth. How many years ago did that happen? More or less 2,000 years ago. 
Not 6,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago this happened. But you see, unfortunately, a lot of our doctrines only want to use revelations for, the, for what's going to come. They don't realize a lot of stuff in revelations happened. And it's been glorified because it happened. They want to see it as something to come. And if you do see that, then you, can't, then you will never see what's actually written there because then they won't read it. But it's actually because they've got a, a, image, a picture, he fell back then, so they won't read it then. Remember when you've got a veil over your eyes? You can read this thing and you will not see it unless you have the Holy Spirit helping you in the Word. So let's continue. So they found no more in heaven when this child was born. So that means since Jesus came out of the womb, remember when we said he came out of the womb, the devil's right was taken away. There was something that was happening and taking pleasure. Because, what did I read in Revelation? The son was caught immediately up to the throne. Alright? He had his position. Even though he was still a child, walking it out, he was given the authority, but he was walking it out. It's like I'm saying Malan is going to be the president of South Africa. He's not the president yet. He's got the title. He's going to be his one day, but he's walking it out now. It's given to him at birth, but he's got to walk it out now. That's what Jesus was doing. He was born, but he's got to walk into this. Emmanuel, Prince of Peace, King. You guys must remember those names because I'm going to, this is going to mean something for you just now. Revelations 12 verse 10. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation. Listen to what's happening because of this war that broke out and the dragon lost. Salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of, the, of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. He was the accuser in the, in the courts. In Job and everywhere you will read about it like he just said. He says, the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Which accused them before our God day and night. Where is the accuser now? Kicked out of heaven. On the earth. He lost the battle. But we want to say, no, three and a half years, one day, this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. We don't understand what's going on here. Because it's speaking what happened with Mary. If you really go read those things in the Old Testament in detail, you will see it says it exactly the same way than what happened. Exactly when Mary went into Egypt and all that. Verse 13, And when the dragon saw that he was cast, out, uh, cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And the women were given two wings of great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half time. Three and a half years. Same thing here that we read earlier from the face of the serpent. So they, Herod couldn't find them anymore because Herod was working in, a, in a concordance with the, with the serpent, the dragon. Herod couldn't find her for that time because she was hiding in Egypt. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, and he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And that's not a natural flood, please. It's spiritual stuff they're talking here. And in Isaiah, you will read about this flood and stuff that's going to come, the prophecy. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So again, to make it easy for you, if you want to understand this, go read Isaiah 11, 
everything I read here is in Isaiah 11 also. Prophesied what's to come, alright? So who did, who helped this woman? Jesus. He's the one that stopped the flood and all that stuff. He's the one that came to help, alright? So now I've read you a lot of stuff from the Old Testament. When Jesus was born and now in Revelations, I'm reading about the same story. And I'm showing you where, everywhere this story is mentioned in the Bible. So that you can understand that. Now, Luke 10. Luke 10 verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Verse 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. When did this happen? Just a while earlier, a couple of years earlier. We just read it when the son was born, when he was born. He saw Satan was cast out of heaven and thrown to the earth. That's why he's saying it there. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. That's why you don't have to go and do studies on deliverance sessions and forefather spirits and all that stuff. It will keep you busy with nothing. You don't have to go to Genesis 1 and 2 to find when the devil was cast onto the earth because he was not cast onto the earth there. He was still actively working in heaven there with Job. That's why it's a good thing he mentioned that. Because if you read Job, you will see. There you can see what he was doing. He was accusing the brethren. Alright? He's the one that said, no, Job. Kill. Ah, he's done this and this and this and this and this. That was what he was doing back then. Alright? But we believe these teachings that we taught. No, he was a singer. Just the singer singing in front of God. It's a beautiful voice. We're taking that context and that thing literally. And it's actually a spiritual thing that we should read into that. But he didn't fall in Genesis 1 and 2. He fell in Matthew when Jesus was born. He was cast out of heaven. Verse 19. Where am I now? Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all power and the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you notwithstanding is this rejoice not that the spirit are subject unto you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven in that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said I thank thee O father lord of heaven and earth that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and has revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. And this is also happening today. These things are hidden. Um, it says uh, the wise and the prudent will not get this. If you want to use your mind to figure this stuff out, you will not get it. It's got to come through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And he said, you reveal unto babies, unto us, this. Verse 22. And all things are delivered to me of my Father, and, to, um, and no man knoweth who the Son is, but the Father, and who the Father is, but the Son. And he to whom the Son will reveal him. 
That's why I asked you when, the, when we did the phase two camp meeting weekend, I said, have the Lord revealed himself to you yet? Physically. Because it, you need that. Otherwise your Christianity, your growth is going to be... You need to get a revelation of his, and he will do that with you. He did that in the Bible. Peter met him physically. Paul met him on the road. Something happened. He had an encounter. He was, Christ revealed himself. It must still happen with you today. Otherwise, you're going to struggle in your walk if you don't have that encounter with him. Verse 23. And he turned him unto his disciples and said, uh, Prudently, blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. So he's saying to them, Blessed are you that see. They saw this happening in their time. That's why he's using that terminology. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see. Guys, get this. Many prophets and kings have desired this to see what they have seen. What did they see? The red dragon get thrown out of heaven. Desire to see these things which you see and have not seen them. And to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Now we 2,000 years later, 99% of the Christians don't know this still. Because we have wrong doctrines that we believe in. So what things are this that they're talking about? To know that the dragon fell out of heaven. He had no more place in heaven, it said. So what did I tell you last week? He was stripped of all authority, said the Bible. When did that happen? When Jesus was born. He got stripped of his authority. If you know this now, and you apply this to your life, man, things will be way better for you to understand. If something bad happens, you will know this is the enemy, and you can deal with it because you have the authority. He has got none. I said to Aubrey when we were sitting inside, I said, it's funny, we as believers, we use our authority to say no to the Holy Spirit. Listen to what I'm saying now. We use the authority in us, and we say no to the Holy Spirit when He tells you to follow Christ and to do this and do the next. But why don't we use this authority when it comes to the devil? For Him, we just say, yes, we'll do it. We'll sin. We'll do all the sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's funny. We as believers, when it comes to sin... We just say, yes, we'll do it. We don't fight the devil. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, we fight him. No, I don't want to do this. Huh? We're using it the wrong way around. This authority we're having. We use the authority against the Holy Spirit instead of against the enemy. But when the enemy says sin, you know, do this business deal. But, you know, let's just do it a bit like this. You're going to make more money. Yes, God's blessing me. Huh? Awesome. Look at how I'm blessed. My business is making a lot of money. Huh? Oh, man, we've got to be doing things so wrong. And we think we're getting blessed. No, it's you using the authority you were given for the wrong, for the wrong father. The father of darkness. Um, now, here, Acts 3 verse 1. Still, we're still on the same topic. See how many verses have we spoken about? And each of these verses is something that connects to the one before. Now, Peter and John went up together unto the temple at the hour of prayer being thy ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alm. And Peter 
fasting his eyes upon him with John, said, look at us. Okay, now look at me. I'm going to explain this to you. So you understand what I just read there. They're going to the temple. Jesus just died. Recently just was crucified. They're going to the temple. And if you read in the, in the four Gospels, Jesus went to that temple a lot of times. This guy's always been in the gate to the temple, called Beautiful. Did Jesus heal this guy? No. Alright? So stop thinking you've got to heal everybody. Be led by the Spirit. But anyway, I don't want to go into that topic. Jesus never healed that guy. Here comes Peter and John. As tradition, they're going to the temple. This guy's lying there and he's begging. He wants money and food and whatever the case may be. Jesus just got crucified. Remember what I just said. Now, let's continue reading. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him, with John said, Look at us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. You know, you see in town with the guy begs in your car for money or bread. They expect something. If you don't give them something, they'll swear at you. But yeah. Ask the Holy Spirit if you must give them something. Don't just give because you might, can. Ask the Holy Spirit who you must give. Otherwise, you, they're just pumping themselves full of drugs. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. Oh, we that were in Sunday schools, I mean, we sang these songs. Silver and gold have I none. We know those songs that we sang in church. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. He's got something. Uh, I have, I give in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Look how specific he's saying this. He's not saying in Jesus' name just walk. He goes into detail here. And remember what I said? If things are like that, you must ask me so Holy Spirit, why? Are you why did you write it like that? Because there's something there that you should find. So, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, be Now, what happened here? What actually are taking place here? Verse 7 says, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Today, if we do that, we start rubbing the guy's leg, and hopefully he gets some muscle movement again. This guy didn't have anybody rubbing him. He just stood up and he, he had strength. All right? Nothing wrong with the way we do it because we don't have the fullness yet. So we struggle with some of the stuff when we pray. But we do it because he said we must do it. But here, what happened here when Peter and John got to this guy at the gate, which Jesus never prayed for for healing, and they walk up and they say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. Remember what I read earlier. They saw something that the others didn't see. But it was hidden from prophets and kings. They saw the red dragon being cast out of heaven. This is stuff I read you earlier. Now these guys are going to apply that that I just told you. Everything I just told you, they're going to apply. They say, in the name of Jesus Christ. Stand up. So what did they say? When the moment when he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, he released the King of Kings, Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace, the King. 
all those names that I told you earlier that he was called from the prophets, from the angels, in one word he released everything when he said Jesus. Do you understand what happened there in the spiritual realm? He released everything that that name held onto and was the function and the title of the name Jesus. When he said those words, he released it. The Nazarene. And these guys got a fright when they heard that. Why? They just crucified this guy a couple of days ago. Yeah. So there's things happening and they've got to be very aware of what's going on here because these guys are calling out a name and there's a result because of this name. They just crucified this guy. They can't let this go this slide. They've got to do something about this. This is not on. So, everything Peter said, he released everything that this name pertained, Emmanuel. And this guy stood up and walked. And the Bible says the people looked up in, in, in amazement when they saw this happening. Look here. Acts 3 verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our power or holiness we made this man walk? Oh, today we love to think we are trying to live this holy life and then of course we're going to do more. No, no, you're not going to do more. He's the one that does everything. Jesus. Not your holiness. Not your power. Your faith. He is the faith. But, verse 16, And his name through faith, in his name, hath made this man strong. How did this guy get up and walk? In his name. That's how this guy got up and walked. Not in Peter's faith and abilities. He said what Peter understood. Who he's representing. The name. He knew what that name meant. Whom ye see and know. Ye the faith which is by him. Hath given him the perfect soundness in the presence of all. So later Peter and John got captured. Because of this incident. Now the religious ones made a good effort to get them in. Because they said some stuff that was not supposed to be said out in public. So they got them caught. The church people got them caught. Eh? If it was today. If you say something today that the church don't like, they will call you in. If you say something that's against their doctrine, you will be very quickly called in. When your fingers get up. So Annas and the high priest, um, Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together in Jerusalem. Die pastore die die hakens, die ouderlinge, hulle sit op die tafel en wacht vir Petrus en Johannes. That was what would happen today. That was the, the titles we would have put in there. Alright. And when they had said them in the midst, they asked, by what power do you see that? They understood something here. They're asking about what? By what power? Or by what? Name. Have you done this? See how deliberately Peter said something that triggered them? Because he used a name. 
and they immediately want to know whose name did you use? Alright? Now look at Peter's reply. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, very important that. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. So he's saying to them, guys, by that person that you didn't believe is the Son of God, which you killed, he's still alive and well. They did not like that. It's like you don't like if I say something that you were not taught before, and now you have to change your mind around that thing. We don't, we don't like to hear we were wrong. Alright? And I mean, these guys said it in public when they said this out first. So their answer, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned. Remember I said that when we did the weekend away. Peter was not a scholar guy. He was a fisherman. He was unlearned because the gospel doesn't use your mind. use your heart. He was unlearned. So you don't have to think I cannot work for the Lord because I'm not a, a student. Religion would put you to a Bible school because of you have to be clever. Jesus doesn't use your mind. He uses your heart. See how we're doing it wrong these days. The only people that can study to become a pastor these days has got to be clever. Eh? Have a good certificate, matric certificate. Otherwise you cannot go and study for a pastor. Uh, the, one of the best guys in the, Old Testament, uh, in the New Testament, Peter. He was unlearned because his heart was right. That's how the Bible does it. Not like we do it today. The Bible takes clever people today that's got no heart for Jesus. Unfortunately, most of the times. It's the other way around. Jesus takes unlearned people because their heart's right and then he gives them the ability to do that. He does not look at your ability, he looks at your heart first. Not the ability you have. They marveled and they took knowledge of them and they had, uh, had been with Jesus. So they're saying, this guy, Peter, we can see he's unlearned. He's, he's, he didn't go to school. He flunked rabbi school immediately. Alright? He did not make it. But what he's saying, out of that we can see, he walked with this Jesus guy. He knew him. He walked with him. And behold, the man which was healed standing with him, they could not say, say nothing against him. So the guy that just got healed is also standing there. But when they had commanded them to go out, uh, aside, out of the council, they confirmed among themselves. Well, they are having a little meeting on the side now. Because they've got to decide how are we going to deal with this thing. Because it's, they're talking about us now. Because we're the one that killed him. And they're saying, it's him that healed this guy that we killed. So we better do something. I mean, it's Benoda Umlakadai for you. Because you just killed the wrong person. Saying, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them. Is manifest to all that dwell in Jerusalem. So the whole of Jerusalem heard and saw this thing. The news spread quite fast. And we cannot deny it. So they cannot say, because the guy is standing in there waiting for them that just got healed also. He's also standing there. And everybody saw him every day for years as they went to the temple. So they, he didn't fake it. 
So now he couldn't have faked it because he's sitting there for years, it said, and now he's standing here in the next room, healed. Um, but that is spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them. Oh, we still do that today. A lot of churches today. Huh? Doesn't matter which denomination. If you can be reformed, if you get baptized, we're going to throw you out of the church. Huh? Same thing they're doing today. Threaten. Pentecostal, there's a lot of things. I'm not going to go in detail about what they can threaten you with. The ones that are doing it wrongly. Not everybody, please. I'm not against the church. I'm just talking in general. There's a lot of them that still does this today. They get together and have a meeting and decide how we're going to get rid of people. Sometimes we need to, but you know, most of the time, not. But they wanted not to spread further among the people this news. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. What are they afraid of? That name. And they called them and commanded them to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. The church people said, don't teach in Jesus' name anymore. Alright, they didn't believe him, they were just following the law still and all that stuff. But it's, it's actually still happening today. The pattern is still continuing today, what they walked in there. But they saying to them, what, you can do whatever you want outside. We're not going to do anything massive to you. We're not going to kill you or crucify you. But there's one condition. To never mention that guy's name again when you're out there. Because remember, they asked, what power do you have? And what power do you function? Because they know there's power. But they just said, we can't argue this. There's a guy healed here. So we can't argue with this. So the name should not be mentioned at all. And they knew if that name gets mentioned too many times, everybody's going to realize, oops, they crucified the wrong one. They crucified Christ, the Son of Man, Emmanuel. They, Christ, they crucified Him. They didn't want that to get out in the streets. Remember, they paid a lot of money to get that quiet, to keep that quiet, if you read it. So, Peter went back to the rest of the guys after this happened. Verse 23, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priest and elders had said unto them, Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen range and the people imagine vain things? The kings on the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus. A truth. This is not a lie. It's a truth. They're saying they're all standing up against a truth. This holy child the one that caused the dragon to fall out of heaven, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel who were gathered together. You can read in the Old Testament, it prophesies about two kings that will be against his son, against this boy. The Old Testament, the prophet says, there will be two kings that's going to be against this one, but it's going to be born, this Emmanuel. Those are the two kings, Herod and Pontius Pilate. Here they get mentioned. They actually, when you, when you really see what they're actually, they're actually quoting Psalm 2 here. They're busy quoting Psalm 2. They just add the names. They just say the kings. But here they add the names. And when you see how precise the Bible is when they say in the Old Testament, the two kings, here they mention them by name. Now the prophet is being fulfilled and they mention the two kings. 
Herod, what did Herod do? He listened to the red dragon and said, go kill all the boys. Alright? So, these are the two kings that had a problem with the king. Herod said, kill all the boys two years and younger because he's the king. Do you know that Herod said that word? He said, go kill all the boys because he is the king. That's why you need to go kill everyone. Because he was working for the dragon. Uh, Pilate said, how can I put this? Pilate said, are you the king? He asked Jesus when he was standing in front of him, are you the king? Jesus says, yes, I am the king. So what was Pilate doing? You know, they put a little board on top of Jesus' cross. And it said, here is who? The king. Pilate didn't realize it. Jesus said to Pilate when he stood in front of him, that's why I came. Get this. Jesus standing in front of Pilate and saying, that's why I came to the earth. So that man, and thank you, you are doing it now, Sir Pilate. You are calling me king. It needs to be cleared by you. And Pilate even went further. And he made a board saying, he is the king. He did not realize he was declaring who Jesus is, the king. And Jesus said, that's why I'm here, so that you can declare who I am. Don't take it from me. Thank you. You will declare who I am. So, when Jesus came into the city, before he was crucified on a donkey, what did they shout? The king! What was that? If you want to read that, go to Zechariah 3 verse 10. 3 to 10. There's the prophecy about him coming in a donkey into the city. Go read that. When they quoted Herod, it's Matthew 2 and Revelations 12. Remember I read you in Revelations, Herod? It's there. Pilate, Revelations 12, overcoming by the blood of the Lamb. So, verse 28. Let's finish off here. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, be out there, threatenings and grant unto thy servants that will, we're still here with Peter if you're losing me. Peter that just got caught went to his friend, said we will not say anything by that name and again uh, anything. That with all boldness they speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal and thy signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. He's still there. It's got to be done by that name. Verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So they're telling them, that name we're using, he was resurrected. They're telling the people that now. And great grace was upon them all. When they said this, they brought, why, just sorry, I'm going to add this, why did they get great grace here? Why did they receive grace there? Because most of the guys they're talking to was the ones shouting crucify him. And they say, guys, that was the Lord you shouted crucify him. And the Lord, and when they heard this, they said, we were wrong. And the Lord gave them grace. And they were the ones shouting, crucify him. You see how beautiful grace is? Because they were the ones killing him, but they understood this and repented, turned away from that way, and they received grace. 
When they said this, they brought all the prophecies into the place and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Quick explanation. Peter and John went back to the guys, you know, the other disciples. And they said, listen, we just got called in by the church. They were not happy with us. They said we may not speak in that name anymore. But we cannot. That's the name we must use. We know him. And they said, we will still speak by that name. And he said to them, this is why. And he explained to them why. They could have said. And when he said that, the whole place was filled. Why? Because when he said we have to function and use the power of the name Jesus Christ, he said to those people listening, we are going to do this by who? By Emmanuel. By the King, the Prince of Peace. He was bringing all those names into fulfillment in front of them that was prophesied. And he brought it again into one name, like what happened with the guy on the street. And when he mentioned that name, and they understood it, the place got filled with the Holy Spirit. The power was released. It's like when Jesus was in the Garden of Eden, they wanted to capture him. When the soldiers came, they, they said, we are looking for this Jesus. And he said, I am. And the next moment, all the soldiers were lying flat on their faces. Why? How did they end up there? If they were standing, they were not believers. They didn't fall over because of the Holy Spirit. How did they end up on their faces? Because when he said the words, I am, he released power. And they couldn't stand in front of that power. They fall to the ground. This is what happened here. When he said that name, power was released. And it says there, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. All right? So, I'm going to read this verse that I opened with last Sunday. Then Jesus made a public spectacle. This is the cross. Remember, I started with this verse last week. Hopefully, when I read it, read it now, it will even make more sense for you. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon, not some, every weapon and all their spiritual authority <coughs> and power to accuse us, because he was the accuser we read. So can the devil accuse you still today? Think on it. What does it say there? And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. Remember I explained it to you? How did they do it back in the day? If one kingdom fought another kingdom and the kingdom that won will take the king, capture the king of this kingdom, strip him naked, tie his hands, drag him by horse into the city that's the victory, at the victory in the war, so that everybody that's standing in the streets can throw them with rotten food at the king and shout at him and swear at him and whatever they want to do. And they would take this parade through all the streets with this guy naked, the king that lost. And then when they get to a certain point, they will most probably behead him there. But if first, before they will behead him, make a public spectacle out of him to shame him. That's what the cross did to the enemy. But we still think we must fight him. 
the whole time. Why can the enemy cause you to sin the whole time? Cause you to do wrong things the whole time? If he has got no more power. I'm not saying he's got no more power. The word is saying that. I've read you so many verses now saying he's got no power. He was stripped of all power. He was cast to the earth. He's not the accuser anymore. So why can he still play yo-yo with you in your sin? Especially if you're not born again. Because you're allowing him to do that. You are giving him back power. He's got none. None. So if he's playing yo-yo with you, change your mind and know who you are in Christ. Who is this name? By that name you can tell him to go and he must go. This will help you get this revelation of understanding who the enemy is that is nothing. This will help you when you cast out a demon out of somebody. It will make it easier for you to understand this. Because when you say in the name of Jesus, please, we in the church were taught just say the name and things are going to happen. It doesn't work like that. You've got to know who this name is. If you go stand in front of somebody with a demon, you say, in Jesus' name, chanait, chanait, chanait. He's going to slap you. If you don't know the name you're using. The name J-E-S-U-S doesn't mean a thing. If you know the person and who he is, that J-E-S-U-S, that's got power. Not just by saying the name. We as Christians love, oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And then we think things are going to happen. It doesn't work like that. He's not a genie. You've got to know that name. Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, King, Savior, Christ. You've got to know what that name is. The devil, the demon knows if you know that name. That's what he's afraid of, not you. Like I said, he can whack you. And you will lie over there bleeding if you don't know the name. There's, it's also in the Bible, you can read about these guys that tried that. They ended up put on the wrong side of the beating. Because they thought they could just use his name. You know, the names and stuff. You must know who this person is. That brings the power. So in your life, if you have problems now where you are, in your marriage, in your workplace. There's only one thing that can help you. No methods, no teachings, no prayers. They're all good, but that is your answer for all your problems. If you have problems, maybe you should focus on that person. Start to get to know that person more. That has all the power. Because if you start living in that name and stop blaming the enemy when you're late for work, things will change in your life. You will start having peace in your marriage. You will start having peace at work. But while you're still blame shifting the enemy and everything that's going wrong in your life, it actually shows you don't know your Bible. What your Bible is saying. He's got no power. All authority was taken from him. And when we walk this out in our life, like Jesus walked this out to become king, you and I are also walking out to grow to maturity, the Bible says. Remember, we get born, why do we call it born, a newborn baby in Greek? A brios, it's in your Bible. Then they become a napios, Biden. Until he comes mature. So there's a growth pattern. You walk in that same thing. 
It's okay when you're still a young believer and you're still fighting the devil and all that stuff. It's, it's, it's okay. Go for it. But at some stage you need to grow up and stop fighting the devil and start chasing the devil. What did I say last week? When you go into a church and there's a devil, a demon in the church and somebody, the, the people in the church run out because they're scared the demon's going to jump in them. What does that show you? They do not know their Bible. And they do not know that person. Because a demon cannot jump in you unless you're in that sin. So guys, if you understand this, I'm telling you your life will change. Do the enemy still come for us? Yes. He's not dead. He's just got no power. So when he comes, no speaking to you because you need to know your Bible said so you know which father I'm speaking of because he's also called father. You know, who's your daddy? You should know that. Is it my dad speaking to me? Or is it the enemy, the other father, or the other people speaking to me? And if you know that, act according to that. Say no. He cannot touch you then because he's got no power, no authority. So next time when you want to blame the enemy, just keep quiet for a second. Just think, okay. And you will quickly realize, you know what's the problem? It's you. You slept too late, that's why you're late. Not the enemy. He didn't go and change your clock so you woke up the wrong time or didn't hit the snooze button correctly. It's us. We must stop doing this blame shifting and realize who we are. Man, things will change in your life. And if you were thought differently, it's not wrong. Just go to the new thing that you understand that the Holy Spirit shows you and apply that now to your life. And you will see things will change. When the enemy is not even mentioned in your house anymore. And you just hear that name in your house. But in some Christian houses you hear more, the enemy is doing this and the enemy is doing that and Jesus is doing this and that. Because we've got a wrong understanding of who he is. So hopefully in these two sessions, I've showed you all the things we do wrongly, believe wrongly, that is not in the word, comes out of man's interpretations, and how to stand against, how to walk in power. It's in a name, but you must know who this name is. Don't just use it blindly. That's not what it's for. Next week, I'm going to maybe shock you even a bit more with something about Satan. And then I'm going to be finished next week or the week after that with Satan. I don't like to do too much teaching regarding Satan. I like doing teachings about Jesus. But this needs to be corrected to the body of Christ. Because that's why the enemy are playing yo-yo with Christians left, right and center all over the world. Because they see the enemy as a threat. He's nothing. Jesus is Emmanuel, King. Savior. That's the name. I mean, if I, if I stand with people um, sometimes, <laughs> and I know there's a demon in a person, I would sometimes stand in front of them, talk to them like I'm talking to you. But inside, yeah, I'm saying, I know you there. I see you. But the king knows you there too. And you know what starts happening to that person I'm speaking to? He starts rolling his eyes backwards and twinkling his fingers in the wrong way. And he doesn't even know it. I mean, if a demon manifests, people don't know it. In the beginning. And the one eye goes that way and the other eye goes that way. And I haven't said anything yet. But why is that happening? 
because he knows what I'm going, what I'm saying to him. He can pick it up. I know who I am in Christ. I'm not afraid of him. I will tell a demon, you will not bite me. And guess what? He cannot bite me. I've held my hands in my people's mouths that are trying to bite everything that comes in front of them. And I say, you will not bite me. And it's not me, guys. It's the one inside of me. I'm not trying to put, make me look special. You can all do it. Whether you're big and strong or you a female lady that's not maybe so big and strong. Let me be politically correct here. It's not by your power, your muscles. It's by who's inside of you that you believe in. That's why they cannot. That's why that demon cannot bite you. But if you don't know that and you put your hand there, good luck. Because he can bite. We need to understand who we are when we do these things. That's why we can cast out demons and they go. And yes, we're not Jesus yet. We're still growing to become mature. But what we have, the Bible says, we must use until the day when the fullness comes, the Bible says. I'm sorry, you don't have the fullness in you. No, let me correct that. You have the fullness in you, but you have not the ability to use the fullness. You get that? You've got the whole Holy Spirit in you that raised Christ from the death, but you cannot use all of that yet. Paul says it many times. We prophesy in part. No, we're not in the fullness. Jesus didn't prophesy in part. When he said something, it happened. We still make mistakes because we're still walking it out. We're still growing to stand against the enemy. So there's nothing wrong if you struggle. You're growing until you start getting more mature and knowing who you are and him knowing you know who you are. That's what's important. All right. Is there any questions? Enig is dit iemand wil vraag oor wat ek gepraat het vandag? Ek glo ek het een paar, vir al die ouwens wat langer in die kerk is, het een paar koekies aangeraak wat jy dag nie, that you might not have known so much or thought that much. Next week we're going to touch another topic of Satan. I want to show you who he is. The serpent. Where he came from. It's in your Bible. Remember what I said in the beginning, when I wanted show you something that must come out of the Bible. Then you can't argue with me. Then you must go argue with the Bible. I cannot help it's written there. All right.